Thanks guys for leading us into God's presence this morning. Good morning. morning. You've foxed me, Eddie, because you're not sitting in the the balcony. You've obviously paid to come down from the cheap seat, so that's great. You've been ousted, yeah. It's good to be with you, even though I wasn't supposed to be preaching uh, today, but Norbert was unable to preach, so I said I'd stand in for him. Uh, and I said this to my wife, Jem, and she said, um, so what's the theme for today? What are you preaching on? I said, well, following the Bless series, uh, the theme is eat. It's eating. And she looked at me and said, well, you're well qualified to speak about that, aren't you? She said, <laughs> cheek of it, but she's true. She said, it is right. I love my food. I can't understand it when people are not bothered by food. I once knew a lady, and she really didn't like eating. She was a polar opposite from her uh, husband, Alan, who, who loved nothing more than going out for a nice meal. And whenever we got together, uh, there were members of one of our previous churches, uh, the conversation would always come round to food and the different meals and what he's eaten recently. And his wife, Hazel, couldn't be bothered. She always said, "If I wish there was a pill I could take that would fill me up give me all the nutrients, and I wouldn't even have to bother about cooking or eating another meal ever again. I thought, well, you're a little bit weird. But anyway, because <laughs> Alan, I thought, well, talk about opposites attract. You know, they were chalk and cheese. Alan would, would, would just love talking about food. And uh, they used to take us out for a meal every now and again. And we went out for a meal uh, to a local pub. And uh, the reason Alan took us there was because he knew they did big portions. <laughs> he said, they don't do starters, there's no starters on their menus, it's just mains and dessert, but trust me, you won't be disappointed. And I wasn't, and it became our local pub that we went to, because they did good portions. I'd love to see her now, because they've both gone to be with the Lord, and uh, I believe she's in heaven, and I don't think God's given her a pill. I think she's feasting on the delights of heaven, the banquet that God prepares for us. But I love food, and I, I love going out to a really nice pub that does really nice food. There's a, there's a, a, a pub in Marlow that's run by a, a celebrity chef. It was the first pub to ever gain a, a Michelin-starred restaurant, and it's a pub there every now and then. And I think, you know, as a real celebration, let's, let's go there. And then we look at how much the cheapest meal is, and for even a good celebration, Jem's like, no, we're not going there. No, Why well, she pay all that money? And like, oh, I don't really like it. I don't know, trust me, I'd like it, but no, she, she hasn't let me go yet, so I'm thinking, okay, I've got about seven years to my 60th, maybe she'll take me for then, so, but she'll say, you need to start saving now, put your pocket money away, but for my 50th birthday, which was in lockdown, uh, she, I also love fish, and uh, one thing I always say, oh, when I'm 50, we'd, I'd love to go to the Rick Stein's restaurant. Uh, I would like to go to the one in, in Plattstow, but maybe in London or uh, where Jim's mum and dad have a holiday home in, in Poole, in Dorset, in, uh, in Sandbanks, there's a Rick Stein restaurant. But obviously we couldn't go because we were in lockdown. And what Rick Stein's restaurants do, you can order a meal and it gets delivered to you raw. So it comes in an ice pack and it comes up from Cornwall and it got instructions and videos, and you cook the meal at home. So that's what we did for my 50th 
uh, birthday. We didn't involve the kids, they just had pasta or something, but, and then they can go in another room and watch the telly. This is my 50th. I don't get spoiled by kids thinking, I don't like that. So we did it together. But we have meals as, as family, and whether that's just normal run-of-the-mill meals throughout the week, or every now and again, because we've got a lot of friends in the States, sometimes we'll do a Thanksgiving meal as a family, just the four of us. And we'll bake lots of nice stuff, and then we'll spend time around the table talking about what are we thankful to God for. Do you have a favourite restaurant, a favourite coffee shop, or a favourite cafe? Maybe you can relate to me and going out for a lovely meal or having a lovely meal at home or simply going out for a nice coffee and a, and a piece of cake is it's just one of life's wonderful pleasures. We continue our blessed series this morning. How to help people experience Jesus at the heart of their lives. And we have to be intentional, do we not, about having Jesus at the heart of our lives, but we also then have to be intentional about helping others experience Jesus at the heart of their lives. Because if we're not, we're just hoping that somehow he will become the heart of their lives. And yet, when God created the church, and he knew that there'd be all of us in it, he created the church to be the vehicle through which the world would know about Jesus. And there is no plan B, guys. We are plan A. I always wanted to be part of the A team. But we are plan A, and there is no plan B. And so if God's heart through the local church is to share Jesus with the communities in which we find ourselves, if we don't do it, if that plan fails, that's it. There is no plan B. And so we've looked at beginning with prayer. Last week we thought about listening. And today we're moving on with the series and we're thinking about eating, and specifically eating with others. There can be something powerful about eating meals. Especially gathering and eating with someone else. Something, something special happens when we, when we gather around the table. It's why... Uh, they say that if you, you know, if a family eats together around the table as opposed to around the television, it's a far better experience. Eating with somebody else is one of the most powerful things you can do. It's a, it's a very personal thing. On the 7th of January, the first Sunday of, the, of this year, when we had a whole church gathering, we did something different and powerful and special and wonderful. As a family, we baked a load of cakes and we shared cakes with you as a church. Now, the powerful, special and wonderful thing wasn't because you all loved my lemon and poppy seed cake. The powerful, wonderful and special thing was that we ate that, we experienced that together. It was a shared experience as God's church. Friday night, just gone, we had a newscomer's Supper for people who are new to the church. We held this at Perry Street where, where some of us gathered with around 25 people who in one way or another over the last 12 months are new to the church. And we did it around tables. And we ate a meal together. And it was a brilliant evening. Not because the food was gorgeous, 
which it was, especially the homemade meringues, were wonderful. It wasn't that. It was just sitting around a table with other people and as we shared the meal together, we shared life together. And that is the thing that was powerful about it. But through that, we didn't just share life and some people showed photos on our table of their kids and some people said about the animals that they have and one person <coughs> had cats, stick insects, rats, lots of other different weird animals, which I think should live outside and not inside, but that was them anyway. And, and had a husband who had such a fear of spiders that she wanted to get little jumping spiders because they're cute. <laughs> to which she went, we're not having them. And he was sat here, and she was sat there, and I was in the middle, and I thought, oh, 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 I've got to do some marriage guidance in a moment. But it was a lovely evening. I spoke just for about 15 minutes. I know that's short for me, but I spoke for about 15 minutes, and, and that was by far not the main event of the evening. For the main event was sitting and eating with others. And some of these people do not know Jesus. And eating meals with others is something that is biblical. It's something we see Jesus doing a lot uh, in the Gospels. If we look at an event in Matthew's Gospel, we will see the power of eating a meal with people. It's from Matthew chapter 9. It's when Jesus calls Matthew. And we read these words from Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? It's nice to see that the Pharisees never, never fully said what they really thought, isn't it? Yeah. When Jesus shared this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. So let's give this passage a, a little bit of context. Back in Jesus' day, eating with someone was a powerful thing to do because it was an affirmation of someone. It was such an important thing to do because it said to the person that they are accepted by you. It was part of the culture that was ingrained in people. If you went to someone's home, the first thing that they would do would be to prepare a meal for you. It was a powerful sign of welcome to people who were in your home. There, is, there are still countries around the world that will do that. Even if you were planning, if you go on mission somewhere, even if you were going and you were planning on eating later, they will invite you to their home and they will cook you this lavish meal. And if, if they've cooked a meal and you turn up, they will scrape things off their plate to give you a meal. We've kind of, we don't do that in the UK. Oh no, no, we have to make appointments in the UK. We, do, we don't like doing those spur of the moment things. But in Jesus' day, it was a, 
It was a powerful sign of welcome to people who were in your home. You see, the home was a, it was a safe space. We often talk, don't we, in our families, we'll have extended family, we'll have friends, but those that are in the house with us, they're the, the inner circle, as it were. And so to invite people there and to eat with them powerfully spoke to the people's hearts of the people that Jesus was rubbing shoulders with. This is why the religious leaders were, were so outraged that Jesus ate with, with people, with these people, with these scum that the Pharisees called them. In people's homes. In your home. That's where you should have the good people, the people that you want to be around you, not, not these people. You know, the, the people that the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders, saw Jesus eating with, would have been known as being sinners. Maybe they were prostitutes and the like. The people others avoided in the street. And tax collectors were, were in the same category. They weren't seen as very nice people because, they, as far as people can, they robbed from others. And here is Jesus eating with them in Matthew's home. That is saying that Jesus is accepting them and sharing something that was so personal and powerful in his culture. And when we understand that, it's easy to see why the Pharisees were outraged. And Jesus' answer was simply, well, why wouldn't I? come into anyone's home and eat with them as opposed to eating with you. How, how is this any different? Because, after all, we're all sick. We, we all need a doctor. You know, he's challenging the Pharisees who they were putting themselves on this pedestal saying, we don't need a doctor, we're not sinners, we're not sick, but all these other people do. So why are you eating with them and not with us? And Jesus is levelling the playing field and saying, no, 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 guys, we're all sick. We're all sinners. We all need a doctor. And that's why Jesus challenges them to, to go back and learn, not just paraphrase so you know your scriptures, but learn what the phrases, the passages actually mean. Learn what the phrase, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, really means because you're quoting it, you're spouting it, but you're not living it. Here Jesus is referring to what was said to the prophets Hosea and Micah about what God desires. It's, it's not about sacrifices of animals. It's not about being legalistic and keeping the law for law's sake, but rather it's to have the desire to show love and mercy to everyone, no matter who they are. And that is certainly something that the Pharisees have forgotten to do. And so in his answering of the Pharisees, of why he's eating with these people. Jesus is challenging them, but actually, how they've, they've made the situation of these people worse. How they've marginalised the poor, those who were struggling. And actually, Jesus is challenging us today with the same questions also. Jesus is saying, it's great to be here today. It's lovely to be here. It's lovely to have great worship. It's lovely to stay and have a cup of tea after. It's lovely to chat to each other. It's lovely to, to, to get into God's Word. 
but he's asking us to prioritise the people who Jesus has put in our lives. Those who we may see as needing just the opportunity to hang out with us. Do those we may see that we walk through our daily lives with. Are we, are we living out what we're hearing in the, the confines of these four walls? There's a story <clears throat> about something that happened on a Thursday lunchtime in a McDonald's in America that just went like wildfire all over social media. Let me read to you about it this morning. On a Thursday morning, a young African-American man named Eric, wearing baggy jeans and a flat-brimmed Black Hawk hat, headed to his local McDonald's to eat breakfast by himself. Sorry, it was breakfast, not lunch. Jan, a white 70-year-old grandmother, had the same idea. As they were both eating by themselves, Jan saw Eric sitting by himself. She approached him and said, could we enjoy our breakfast together? Somewhat startled by her request, he reluctantly said, sure. And with that, Jan grabbed her food tray, took it over to Eric's table. Eric pulled up a chair so she could sit down. The two of them sat together These are strangers, remember. They sat together for 45 minutes talking about church, art and Eric's young son. Eric said Jan even shared some life wisdom with him. She mentioned many times how we should all love one another and how we should never judge anyone because you never know how someone's day is going and what they've been through. He said in an interview those things. After they finished eating, they exchanged phone numbers and Eric walked Jan to her car. A simple meal shared with a stranger became a lasting blessing. I just think that's amazing. I think that's what... I'm being honest with you. I would just not think... A, I wouldn't go to McDonald's for breakfast. But I just would not think if I saw somebody sitting on their own to grab my food and say... Do you mind if I sit and just start having a chat with them? I think that story is great. I think there's, there's no judgment. There is no, I'm happy to sit with someone. You know, Jan didn't go up to somebody who looked like her. She didn't go up to another 70-year-old woman who was on her own, who she thought, well, this could be safe. She went to somebody who didn't look like her. Just that simple act of sharing breakfast with someone and let's see what happens. It gives a whole new meaning, doesn't it, to what a McDonald's Happy Meal really is. Because that was a happy meal, that was. Interesting to note from our Bible reading that the first thing Jesus does with Matthew is to eat. No Bible study. No Alpha course. No church thing. It's simply to eat together. Other sinners were there also. He didn't even say to Matthew, if you want to be my disciple, mate, you're going to have to get some better friends. He didn't say, we need to sort you out and then I will come and eat with you. No, no. The eating part of blessing Matthew was what Jesus did first, as he and his friends were. And I find that so amazing, so wonderful, yet so challenging. 
Because I go into a situation with people that I know and I will think, who do I want to sit with for this meal? Is it just me that does that? We all do it, don't we? We do it with church meals, don't we? Let's be honest. We think, we have a bring and share lunch and we, we get our lunch and we think, right, who, who do I want to sit with but who do I not want to sit with? I'm just being honest with you. We do it. I don't think I'm the only one that does that. We're not talking about the scum that the Pharisees were referring to. We're talking about, in those settings, brothers and sisters in Christ, and yet even then we choose who do we want to sit with and who do we not want to sit with. And if we're doing that, what chance do we have of doing that with people who don't know Jesus? We can all look through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and we will see there are other times Jesus ate with people and many of those times were people that you would not expect him to eat with and if we were in that situation more often than not we choose to sit with somebody else. Yet Jesus recognised how important it is to eat with people as part of blessing them, as part of sharing his heart with them. And it was through that simple act of eating that wonderful things happened. Think of Zacchaeus, the little guy. Couldn't see Jesus coming, so he climbs the tree. This is the big boss of tax collectors. He's really not liked. And in all of those crowds, who does Jesus pinpoint and draw out to go and eat with? Zacchaeus. He's, you know... There's loads of people waiting for the Messiah to come and Jesus walks through. You could be forgiven for thinking, you know what, there's, yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a gala dinner tonight for Jesus. Because this is Jesus. And there's this gala dinner, so he's going to come and speak to people and then he's going to go and have this gala dinner. I don't know, maybe that was already set up. Maybe the caterers were in, maybe the, the tablecloths had been ironed and Jesus throws all that out the window and he looks up and he sees Zacchaeus. He says, I'm coming to your house tonight. Come into your house tonight. Where do we find Jesus when he performs his first recorded miracle? Is he in a church? Is he in a synagogue? No, he's at a wedding feast. He's at a party. We, took, we focus on the, the turning the water into wine because that's a really cool trick, right? We'd love to be able to do that. But he, he would have eaten at that place. He would have eaten at that wedding feast. All of the feeding miracles, you know, thousands and thousands of people I'm sure after all of that teaching, Jesus would have said, I just want a little bit of time on my own. I don't speak to thousands. I just speak to us. But sometimes when I get home on a Sunday lunch, I'm like, it's nice to get home. It's just not be with you guys. I don't mean that in a nasty way. Just want a little bit of family time, a bit of me time. Jesus is doing that with thousands and thousands of people. And we talk about the feeding miracles where Jesus you know, turns all of this food from, from some fish and some bread. I'm pretty confident Jesus ate some fish and bread. Maybe he, he grabbed his, his, his portion and, and he saw some people in the crowd and he didn't sit with the disciples. Maybe he doesn't speculate. Maybe he went up and sat in a crowd of people who were perhaps on their own a little bit. And he didn't just share lunch with them, he, he shared life with them. The night before Jesus' crucifixion, what does Jesus do? He shares a meal with his disciples. 
Think of Jesus being resurrected. One of the first things Jesus does, he cooks a fish barbecue for his disciples on the beach. And it's through that meal, through eating with his disciples, through the act of eating, that Peter is restored and his faith is renewed. Jesus ate with people so much, a bit like Jen saying to me, well, you're certainly qualified to eat on food. Look at your waistline, you know. Jesus ate with people so much that he got a bit of a reputation. We read in Luke chapter 7, the Son of Man, on the other hand, this is Jesus talking, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners, but wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. Jesus knows what is said about him. He knows all the little whisperings and the gossip that's going on about him and the way that people think, oh, look at him. Does he just want free food or something? He's always eating with somebody. Jesus was not a glutton, was not a drunkard, but he simply saw the power and the potential when he shared a meal with people. And you know, people's lives were changed because of these meals. And it's interesting, immediately after those verses with Jesus, there, people call me a, um, a glutton and a drunkard in Luke 7. He then goes and eats again in the home of Simon the Pharisee. And it's through, while he's eating that meal, a woman comes in with perfume that's about the cost of a year's wages and she breaks it and she pours it all over his feet. It's through eating with someone that Jesus shares what faith is all about and somebody worships Jesus. Friends, for Jesus, eating with people was integral in helping people find their way back to God. Part of the way Jesus changed the world was through eating. Eating was a big deal and it's still a big deal. Catholic theologian Henry Nouwen once said, when we invite friends for a meal, we do much more than offer them food for their bodies. We offer friendship Fellowship, good conversation, intimacy, closeness. When we say, help yourself, take some more. Don't be shy, have another glass. We offer our guests not only our food and drink, but ourselves. A spiritual bond grows and we become food and drink for one another. And that is so true. Some of the best times I've had is when I'm eating with other people. I remember a a Methodist minister and his his friend, his wife, I'm sure they're friends as well, but his wife, Kathy, really good friends of ours. They live in Jersey now. We had a good Friday service uh, together, the Methodist Church and the Baptist Church. And we finished that, and, and Tony said to me, so what are you doing now? I said, I'm going home. He said, do you want to come round to ours for, for some coffee and cake and biscuits or something? I said, oh, that, that'll be lovely. He said to Kathy, Wayne and Gemma are going to come round. because that's great, said, but we have no coffee, no milk, and no biscuits and no cake. So Tony looked at me, and oh, he said, that's what, so can we come to yours? <laughs> he said, have you got coffee? I said, yes. He said, have you got milk? I said, yes. He said, have you got any cake? I said, we have got a bit of cake. He said, we've got yours then. And he just invites himself around. And spur of the moment. We had, that was about a good 15 years ago. And I still remember the power of that time now. It's through... Spending time with people like that. It doesn't have to be big and extravagant. We can't all, A, we can't all do that. B, it's not all in our wheelhouse. Sometimes we just struggle with those kind of things. So break that down. What works for you? But for me, it's through those times when I've grown closer to those friends. It's by eating them, for in that process, the relationships have grown and deepened. And we've also shared Jesus. And there's been other opportunities where 
where some of those relationships have given uh, cause to share faith with people who don't know Jesus. I was at a friend's house once, uh, and, and most of these other friends we were with were non-churched. And we were eating together, and one of the friends said to me, uh, so wait, what are you speaking on in church tomorrow? He's not churched. And I thought, he's pulling my leg a little bit, so I said, Mark, do you, do you really want to know what I'm speaking on tomorrow? And uh, he said, no, I'm genuinely interested. I went, okay. So I told him what we, I couldn't tell what we were speaking on tomorrow. I remember the meal. I can't remember what we were talking about. Or what I was going to be talking about. So I told him what we were speaking about. And I told him what we were, we were in the middle of a series and doing this and why we were doing it and all of this kind of stuff. And he looked at me and said, I'm quite stunned that the church thinks about those things. He, he, he had no idea. He had no idea... He said, so you, you don't just stand up and throw this stuff together. I said, well, sometimes they think I do, but no, there is, there is planning and preparation that goes into it. But I got to share Jesus with that guy. And they, they, they haven't, you know, I can't go to a story of baptising all of these people, but we were with them just before Christmas as well, and uh, we were just having drinks and somebody said, so how's the new church? What are the people like? Eight hours later, I told them what you were all like. And <laughs> I said, absolutely loving it. I said, great bunch of people loving being there. Shared about our vision, shared about some of the stuff we were doing. All of those things, I believe, are part of those people's journey of faith. They just don't know they're on a journey of faith yet. But it's through those simple acts of having a drink, having a coffee, having a meal, whatever it is, that Jesus allows us to share him with other people. Now, one thing I want to say is it's not really about what you have for your meal with someone, it's about who you do it with. Jim and I have fallen into the trap over the years of if we're having people over for a meal or a couple, we have to pull all the stops out, and the truth is, that is not what it's about. You know, if you're having pasta baked for tea or fish fingers and chips and you invite somebody over, have fish fingers and chips with them. We're adults, but a fish finger sandwich is, oh, <laughs> nothing like it. It's beautiful. You know, don't think you've got to go to town and have starters and desserts and the main doesn't have to be Michelin star acceptable. After all, you're inviting somebody to eat with you. You're not auditioning for MasterChef, you know? Think of the times when you've eaten with someone or gone for a coffee or, do you know what, just, even just go for a walk with somebody. You know, just go for a walk with somebody and take a pack of biscuits and a, 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 a tea or coffee in a, in a mug or something, if that's something that you can do. But think of those times and how that has done good to your soul as much as the other person. Friends, eating with someone to bless them is something that we can do. I want to tell you a story about Marjorie and coming to a close. Marjorie's 85 and she lives in Cosham in Portsmouth, which is off the church we were in before we came to Billericay, or Cosham, as she calls it. It's a bit like fine and time. She calls, if I say Cosham to Marjorie, she goes, it's Cosham. I don't understand why Bosham, no, Bosom is Bosham. I, I just don't get it anyway. They're all spelt the same apart from the C and the B, but she says they're different, they say them differently. But she lived where we moved in. She lived where we lived, which is what's known as the Hybrid Estate. 
the estate was made up of three long roads. Hawthorne Crescent, where we live, Chatsworth Avenue, where Marjorie lived, and Highbury Grove. I know it sounds quite posh. Trust me, it's not. These roads were about a mile, 1.1 miles long each. These three long roads. And there were other streets that crossed, intersected them. Marjorie lived in Chatsworth Avenue for over 60 years. And she was there when the McDonald's was built at the end of her road. And in all that time, she'd never, ever been to a McDonald's. She wasn't missing a lot, but she'd never been there. So when we moved in, she said this to us. So we said, well, Marjorie, us and the kids, we'll take you to McDonald's. If that's a meal you really want to, we'll take you to McDonald's. So we took her to McDonald's. So So what do I have? So we got her a Big Mac, because that's what you have to have in McDonald's. And we, 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 we got her some fries, and, and, and she, she had a drink, and, and we just sat and we ate together. And then, in our four years there, that, that's what happened. Marjorie would contact us and say, let me take you to McDonald's. Then we would contact Marjorie, and we'd take her to McDonald's, and she was looking to move, and she needed some help cleaning out her house, so we helped her and took stuff to the tip, and so then her son came over from Spain, and, and we, he said, I, wanna, I want us to go for a meal to thank you what you've done for mum, so we went to McDonald's, because that's, that's the relationship that we've built up with Marjorie. And it, as adults, I don't think any of us liked McDonald's. <laughs> that wasn't the thing. The thing was just being together and sharing life. But Marjorie did that in other ways as well. So every Friday lunchtime, Marjorie would pick out some of those people. They weren't churched, but she knew from the estate they were on their own. And she'd invite them to their house, her house and they'd get fish and chips from the takeaway around the corner. Marjorie is 85 years of age. And she just loved doing that because she could just see the power in blessing each other with a simple act of a meal. It wasn't highbrow highbrow cuisine. It it wasn't going to break the bank. But that's what she did. Now, I recognise that that's not right for all of us. I fully appreciate that. This is not a, you must do this. But it's, what are the things that we can do that are, sort of scratch us where we're itching, they're part of our character, our personality. And it might not be, for some of us, with a load of people. It might just be with, with one person, that we just have a cup of coffee or something with them. But we can all put up excuses to this. Well, I do, such as I don't have the time uh, to do that. And yet, I eat three meals a day to invite somebody for that meal. We say we don't like people coming to our house because we just don't like that or we can't cook. Well, do a Tony and Kathy and invite yourself to somebody else's house and say, we'll get, I'll buy a Chinese, I'll buy a, a takeaway for us. We say it's too expensive. And it is expensive to eat out and, and all of that kind of stuff today. Well, just have a cup of coffee with somebody. Can you see that, that what you do is not important? Doing this with others is what's important. So will you pray, Father, bring to mind the ones and the twos, the, the people I can do something like this with. And then as the Father drops names into your mind and your heart, 
Simply go and do it. Simply go and spend some time with that person. And when we do that, we'll be surprised by the difference it makes and the work that the Holy Spirit does. Friends, when it comes to blessing our friends, there's a lot at stake. We're talking about people's eternity. What if we could start to change the world one meal at a time? You may ask, why, why do we do this through eating? Let me read to you what Dave Ferguson in his book, Bless, says about this. He says, I'm becoming increasingly convinced that food is grace from God. Is there any other way to explain why the average human has about 10,000 taste buds? 10,000. It didn't have to be that way. God didn't have to make us with recurring appetites. Some of us wish he didn't create us with recurring appetites, but that's another story. And the ability to satisfy the appetite with such delight, he could have made us as beings for whom food is simply like a car with petrol. It's just fuel to get you from A to B. But he didn't. Our 10,000 taste buds are a grace from God. That makes the table a great place to schedule a blessing from God. Perhaps we invite people to Jesus, perhaps before we invite people to Jesus, or invite them to church, we should invite them to dinner. Friends, God has blessed us with taste buds. It's why it can be miserable when you've lost your taste. Jesus used his taste buds and the taste buds of others to show them what a life following him was all about. Maybe we we will be surprised if we just step out and do that ourselves. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for the example that Jesus gave us. Thank you that you invite us. You don't judge us, but you invite us to in a way that's relevant to us to just try some of this stuff. Father, show us the people, the ones and the twos who maybe we can bless by going for lunch or having them over for dinner or just sharing a simple cup of tea or coffee. And through that, May we see opportunities to share you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.